For me or my father, Jesus replied, if you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one sees him because his time had not yet come. Once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This way the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? they asked. Just what I have been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable, and what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father, so Jesus said, When you lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am what I claim to be, and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who has sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him, even as he spoke many of their faith in him. And may the Lord bless the, the reading, and as we spend time studying his word together now, may the Lord bless us. Um, at home, I have a compost bin at home. Um, I know it's a strange way to introduce the sermon, but <laughs> I have a compost bin and it works really well. I put in the rubbish, the grass clippings, the, the vegetable clippings, anything that's left over all weeds. Put them into the compost bin, put down the lid, it's one of those plastic bins, and out the bottom comes really good soil for the worms and, and good earth. So it works really well. But <clears throat> Occasionally in the compost as well, you know, you throw in your, your vegetables, your, your um, fruit things, and the tomatoes will go in there perhaps, or peppers, and in there go the seeds as well. And very often those seeds will germinate because as they go down, they find, oh, this is, this is very good, it's moist here, it's warm, there's lots of nutrients, and the seeds must be thinking if they could think, this is perfect, ideal, and the seeds begin to grow and the seeds, they have food that they need, they have the moisture, they have the warmth, and they're growing up fine. But those seeds will never live, they will never bear fruit, they will never be proper plants because there is one thing lacking. They have no light. They need light, and as they grow up, they suddenly, as it were, hit the roof of the compost bin and they die. Light is essential for the plants to live. Without it, they will die. And John is, is relating here in the Gospel, um, he's teaching the people uh, who Jesus himself is. Jesus had been talking all along, and he said earlier, in, this is one of the great I am statements, when Jesus says, I am, I am the light of the world. Earlier he had said, I am the bread, of, I, am, I am the living bread. You know, he said, I am the food that you need. He also said it further back, he didn't use the, the phrase, I am, but he's, he did say, in, in a sense, if anyone is, come to, is, is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. I am the living water. He didn't use that phrase, but he could have. It's one of the great I am statements. There are seven I am statements in the Gospel of John, and this one, I am the light of the world. 
And he's saying, I am the light of the world. It's the identity of Jesus. Who is he? And in saying, he is the light of the world. What is, what is Jesus saying in this? Well, earlier John introduced Jesus in chapter 1 and also in chapter 3. He said, um, the, the light of the world, the light, true light comes in. He said, um, the true light gives light to every man who is coming into the world. In him was life, and that life was the light of man. And so he's already introduced Jesus as the light of the world, and Jesus is stating it himself now. But John also said earlier, men of darkness instead of light. And that's what Jesus was coming up against in this passage, that man loves darkness rather than light. But in making such a claim, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, it, he's basically stating who he is. And it would take time for, for people to believe, to come to the conclusion of who Jesus really is, that Jesus is God. Because it seems unlikely to the Jews of his day. After all, let's be realistic about it. God does not come down to man in the form of man every day. It just does not happen. And so it seems a bit far-fetched when Jesus is making these claims slowly but surely. Why should we believe you? It's, it's a reasonable attitude. Then why should we believe this Jesus saying he is God? Because it's, it's, it's very, very far-fetched. And Jesus was often very cryptic, you know, very hidden in the way he would describe things. And, and John certainly relates that in the way he writes his gospel. But one thing, Jesus never denied that he was God. And, and as his, it would take a long time for people to come to the idea that Jesus is claiming to be God. It took a lot of convincing. And that's what Jesus is doing here in this passage. So you don't, for example, see Jesus in his opening ministry. He doesn't claim to be the Son of God immediately. In fact, it's only as Jesus comes to the end of his earthly ministry that he confesses he is the Son of God, that he never denies he is the Son of God. When challenged, he does not deny it. But it's only, as I say, at the end of Jesus' ministry that he openly confesses that because man was not ready to accept that Jesus could be God. It seems unbelievable. And his revelation of who he really is, it's a very, very gradual message. It's, it's his identity, not just in the things he claims, but in the miracles and the teachings that he does. And I have to say, I mean, as I was reading this, I thought it was very understandable that they would doubt Jesus' claims when Jesus claims to be the life of the world. And in saying that, he is saying, I'm the source of life. I am... I am the Lord of creation. And uh, I can understand when people say, who do you think you are? Because this, this is the question. Who do you think you are, Jesus? We know who your father is, or do we? Because there were questions about Jesus' legitimacy. I mean, you know, who is this man? And so you, you look at it and say, if, if someone comes to you and, and says, um, I saw a terrible crash like, during the week. There was a, I think there was a lorry turned over up in on Shannon Park Road above your car line. Now, if a man who was known to be exaggerating and a liar had said to you, I saw a terrible accident. There was a lorry turned over on the road and oh, it was a terrible mess altogether. And he was a, a known fibber, a known liar. You'd say, I take that with a grain of salt. I'm not too sure I, I really believe in him. 
But then supposing you another couple of friends come along, people you know are trustworthy, and they say, there was a lorry that crashed on the, on the Shannon Park roundabout, it caused terrible traffic, you'd say, okay, I begin to believe it now, not just because the unreliable person told me, but a couple of reliable people. And then you meet 10 friends who all say they say, saw the same thing, and you'd say, yeah, okay, I believe it did happen. It definitely did happen. Your confidence is based on the character of the reliable people who told you these things. Are they trustworthy? Yes, they are. Are they known to be liars? No, they're not. You don't, you don't take too much notice of the unreliable person, but the reliable one you do trust. It's the reliability of the witnesses that you base your belief on. Can it be verified? Is it possible? Is it true? Well, if these people say it, then it is true. So how could these people believe in Jesus? He was introducing himself slowly but surely as, as time went on. What does it take to convince them? Well, for, for the apostles, certainly, when, when Jesus talks about my other witnesses, the Father, remember on, on two occasions in, in the Gospel of, of Luke, it mentions, for example, at Jesus' baptism, the Father spoke, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Elsewhere, Jesus, on the, Mount, on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus, the Father, spoke and he said, This is my beloved Son, listen to him. And, and so for the apostles, they knew the Father was commending Jesus as the Son of God. It's a huge statement, but Jesus, in saying this, is not just claiming to be divine. He is claiming to be the only means of salvation. No one else can save because if, if it were possible for someone else to say God himself would not have come. But it brings us to the question, if this is true, what are you and I going to do about it? What are we going to do if Jesus really is the light of the world? Because, you see, in, in reading this morning, there, there are two things emphasized, that Jesus is the light of the world, but Jesus also said, this world is in darkness. This world is in darkness, just like the compost heap is in darkness and the plants will always die. This world is a world of death. Plants don't know, they don't think. They, they're not aware that something is going to be wrong, that they will never bear fruit, they will never grow, they will never live. And equally, it must be said in this world, mankind, is, is living in this world and is unaware of the darkness of reality, of spiritual darkness. That man does not know and yet Jesus gave one command. He, he first of all, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But he said something else. Because if, if I were, yeah, it, it, he also said, in, in Matthew he said, you are the light of the world. That's you and me. And that is putting the responsibility on you and me to be reliable witnesses for Jesus. You are the light of the world. They questioned Jesus, they doubted him, and it was, it was reasonable, as I said, that they would doubt him because it seems far-fetched to say that this man is God. You don't claim to be God, but Jesus has sent you, he says, you are the light of the world. And therefore it puts a responsibility on us. Mankind is aware that something is wrong in this world. It is not perfect, it's not right, there is something missing. Just as, as the plants and the compost heap are said, but 
man is aware that something is wrong. Death, yes, but surely with all our advances we can even overcome death. No, we cannot do that. Something is missing. Can anybody help? Can anybody identify it even? The darkness, the death, death looms over this creation, over this world like a, like a cloud over the world. And we all know it, but we're unable to fix it. But Jesus was saying, you are from below, as he, as he spoke to those who were opposing, you are from below, I am from above, you are from this world. And then that most crazy claim in verse 24, he says, if you do not believe that I am who I claim to be, that I am, you will die in your sins. And that's a, that's a huge statement. If you do not believe in me, you will die in your sins. I am the only one. <laughs> I am Lord of all creation. I alone can sort out the problem of sin. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you he's saying. Jesus, as I said, didn't reveal himself early on. He taught initially that he worked miracles and that he allowed these things to speak for him. But slowly as his ministry went on, he revealed who he really is more and more. And, and the curious thing about the Gospel of John, more than any other Gospel, the Gospel of John points to Jesus as being the Son of God, as being divine. And he says in, in chapter 14, he says, Believe me on the evidence of what I say, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles. The curious thing is in John that he reports very, very few miracles. He speaks mostly of the teaching of Jesus. The other Gospels mention that the miracles won't. But Jesus, he is the light of the world. But he says, now that you are the light of the world, and the reality is that the only way that you can communicate to others that Jesus is the Son of God is through the power of the Spirit. And that's why at Valerie read earlier that, that passage from, from Jeremiah saying that there is coming a time when you will no longer say, know the Lord, because everyone in the kingdom of God will know me from the least to the greatest. And, and it is the Holy Spirit when he came, counselor, when he came, in, on the day of Pentecost, and he enlightened us. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can know God. You know, it is not through miracles or anything, it is the Spirit. And the reaction here in this incident is they're unwilling to accept Jesus' claims. They dispute who he is, they refuse to accept him. They say, who are you? Who is your father? But they not only refuse to accept Jesus' claims, but they downright rejected him. And that to the extent that obviously they eventually crucified him. And if ever there was a the, the statement when Jesus talks about this dark world, if ever there was evidence that this world is in darkness, it was what happened at Calvary when men took the Son of God and said, we're going to kill you. That is man at his most evil. We do not want God ruling over us. That was what man was saying. Is, and, and you think about it. Why were they so why were they so opposed to Jesus? Man loves darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And two thousand years ago people rejected Jesus. They didn't want him ruling over them. And it, it's it's extraordinary because Jesus never tried to dominate people. You can read it through through the gospels. He never tried to harm anybody. He what did Jesus do that was so objectionable? Why did people react so much against Jesus Christ? It was for one simple reason, that he told people the truth. And the truth is that 
man is sinful. And this world is a place where darkness reigns, where death has a final say, where man does not have the ability to sort out his problems because he is blind to what his problems are. Man does not realize that he is spiritually blind. And Jesus told them all this in, in different ways. And in saying these things, he condemned man. He said, you are evil, you are a son of your father, the devil. You are destined to die in your sin. And you know the world has not been a world that is very blessed, a society that has been shaped by Christianity, by biblical thinking, biblical standards. And as a result, we are very, very privileged in the Western world here. Very blessed in so many ways, and yet nowhere is God rejected more than in Western society. Man has said, we do not want God ruling over us. And you ask anyone out there who Jesus is, and you get a myriad of answers, all different answers, but no understanding of who Jesus really is. And the world refuses to accept Jesus, his claims as to who he is, are they're too exclusive, they're too demanding. And yet everything the gospel says is true, that this world is a world of sin. If you look at, at this world all around us, um, and, and it, it's a world where sin dominates. It's obvious we see it in war. We have war occurring at the moment in Europe. We see it in, in personal relationships. Sin is very prevalent. We see sin in, in our own greed, in theft, in our laziness, in our lying, in our hatred of things. Sin has affected everything. And this is what the Gospel says. And yet people will say, there is no such thing as sin. There is no God. And if they do believe in Jesus, he is a Jesus of their own making. This world is, is controlled by sin. But it's not just sin. It is the wages of sin. It's the most terrifying of all. Because the wages of sin is death. And it isn't just physical death. It is spiritual death. Hebrews speaks in, in chapter 2, it says, it talks about those who all their lives were held in bondage by their fear of death. There is an awareness in this world that death is looming over us, that sin is real, and yet people are denying it. People deny that the reality of death. They, they say, oh, he's passed away, or he's, he's gone to the other side. Man does not want to face the magnitude of what death really is. And yet it is hoped in creation. And man crucified the one who could save us from death. In doing so, it was part of God's eternal plan that he would rescue us through the death of Jesus. I remember a few years ago visiting Cape Clear. It was a bird-watching trip. And... Uh, Cape Clear, it was, I think it was what, April. And it was the migrating time of the year when the birds are migrating from, from Africa, from Europe, up to the northern hemisphere, up to the northern countries. And the interesting thing about Cape Clear is the most southwesterly of all the parts of Ireland is the island off the west of Ireland, known as the most southerly, most westerly. And as birds fly either from, from America or from um, from Africa, wherever. What they're always looking for is land. But sometimes the birds are flying through the night as well. They're guided by, I don't know, whatever means. 
birds have an extraordinary capacity to fly. But birds at night keep their eye out for one thing always, light. If they see light, they know there's land. It is safe. The ocean is finished. If I can get to that light, I get to the land. The light is life. And Jesus says, I am the life of the world. I am the light of the world. I am the hope of this world. And Jesus has not changed. He's still the light of the world. And man is still the same. Man still refuses to turn to Jesus. And the reason now is the reason the same then, men of darkness rather than light. Mankind does not want Jesus ruling over him. It says at the end of the passage there, it says, many put their faith in Jesus. Some were beginning to believe, to come to the conclusion, this man really is the hope of this world. I don't think they fully understood what was meant, but they slowly began to realize there's hope. There's hope because of this man. But by and large, Jesus, he is still the same, and man's attitude to him is still the same. We do not want this man to rule over us. We will make Jesus of our own making, but not the Jesus that's here. He's too uncompromising. He's too exclusive. I, I remember, uh, I was only a few weeks ago, after the, the abortion change in America, when the law was, was overturned, there was huge uproar about it, obviously. But one of the amazing comments I saw, it, it was from someone, and he was a religious man. He wasn't a Christian. Uh, but he said, this is wrong. Jesus would not be in favor of, of preventing abortion. Jesus would be escorting those women to the abortion clinics, comforting them. And this was, this was someone shaping a Jesus to what he wanted Jesus to be. But the Jesus that's in the scriptures does not conform to our standards. He is Lord of creation. We conform to his standards. By and large, man has rejected Jesus. But he still says to you and to me, you are the light of the world. Light dispels darkness and gets rid of it. And the greater the darkness, the more the light will shine. It takes courage to be a Christian in these days. It does um, in modern society. But Jesus still says to you that you're the light of the world. It will cost you because the world will say you cannot be exclusive. You cannot be exclusive in your assessment of what's right and wrong. No, there's no definite right and wrong. There are no definite moral standards. You cannot say you're right and I'm wrong. That's judgmental. You cannot be certain you're right, the world will say. But it's not your judgment. It is the judgment of the Word of God. And Jesus revealed his deity, his divinity to his disciples. Slowly but surely he convinced them. He built up his followers. He established them in their belief. And he dealt with their, their character and he shaped them. Slowly but surely into the people he wanted them to be. They in turn taught others. And so we have the letters of, of Paul, Peter, John, James telling us how we should live as Christians. Now we are to continue the work that Jesus began. He is the light of the world. And he says, now you are the light of the world. Go into all the world and proclaim the good news. The world will not want to hear you. 
But it's because we're under so much pressure, I would say, that we as believers need each other. That is why we meet on Sunday mornings. It's why you need to gather together with God's people for fellowship, to encourage one another. He says, be reliable witnesses. Be reliable witnesses. Be the character of the life of the world. You're not, you're not perfect by nature. You are not the life of the world by nature. But the Holy Spirit within you, that's what he means that you now will carry the torch. You, you need fellowship with each other to do this. And it's why we need the scriptures. You need to study the scriptures every day to be the person God wants you to be. Let them shape you. It's why we need teaching from the scriptures, whether it's on a Sunday morning, or, or I encourage you to, to listen to good sermons online. But I would say to you, do not ever let listening to a sermon online become your means of quiet time with God. Spend time alone with God, you and Him. Not listening to someone else telling you about God or about the scriptures. When people are in love, they want to communicate with each other, not to be told about each other. And that is the relationship that God wants from you. Do not substitute your own quiet time with God for, for a, a sermon online. It's good, I commend it, but spend time alone with Jesus. It's why we need to pray for the Holy Spirit to enable us to be the light of the world. We need to. It is a command from Jesus. And I would encourage you, commit yourself to the Lord. Covenant yourself and say, Lord, do not ever let me fail. Do not ever let me let you down. You are a great God and I want to live for you, Jesus. And as I said, at the end of this passage, it says, many put their faith in him. And yet later on, as you get to the end of this chapter, it says they picked up stones to stone. How quickly a man turns against Jesus. It's not an easy ride being a follower of Jesus, but I would say to you, there is no better way to spend your life than living for Him. Just sort of a simple illustration to finish with. The Olympic torch, you know, we, we all know the, the Olympic Games every four years. It might be in Montreal, it might be in Athens, it might be in San Francisco, the, the Olympic Games moves around from one city to another every four years. But at the beginning of the Olympic Games, the Olympic torch is lit and it keeps lighting in this great big flame all through the Games. But at the end of the Games, that, that light, that torch is not put out. No, they, they light another torch from it. And then it's carried for the four years around the world and it's finally brought by different athletes. It's carried around the world and finally when the new, when the next um, Olympic Games start, the next torch is lit from that same flame. It is kept going like the eternal flame. It never goes out. But equally, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, but now he says to you and to me, you are the light of the world. Go into all the world and make disciples. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. May he cause us to think about these things, to be the people that God wants us to be. Let's pray and ask God's blessing before we turn to sing his praise. Our gracious God, I praise you that you are the light of the world, Lord Jesus.
that you came into this world to give life, give hope to a dying world, a world that does not know how serious our problem is. But Lord Jesus, you gave us life. You gave us the light of the gospel. And you have told us to go and to tell others. Cause us to be a passionate people. To tell people the good news that there is hope because of Jesus. And we thank you that these things are true, Lord Jesus. Bless us as we take a moment now to remember the means by which we are made right with a holy God to bring the good news to mankind. Amen.